Well, good morning. First thing people have been saying to me is you got your hair cut. I did. It was an accident the way it turned out. Brittany's out of town, so I went somewhere else, and this is what I walked out with, so here we are. Well, this morning, it's uh, Pentecost, Pentecost Sunday. Thank you so much for wearing red and celebrating with me. Um, I want to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21. Let's read our Pentecost passage. Now, if you don't have your Bible with you or some device to pull up the scripture, that's all right. We have it on the screen for you. I invite you Stand with me and hear the word of the Lord and be glad. We're in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 21, and I'll be reading the NRSV version here. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the, na in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own na native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, and in our own native languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of the Lord, and we can say thanks be to God. Well, Pentecost is a, a holy day, a day different than other days, a day for awe and wonder at the majesty of God. It's, it's unlike the weekend, which has a different kind of uh, holiness, if you will, compared to the rest of the days of the week. It's not like that. It's not like the weekend, that difference. It's more like one of those special days that comes by each year 
one of those days where you decide, oh, I'm going to go travel and see my family. We'll have a feast and, and we'll celebrate together. Pentecost is a holy day. It's a holy day because the first Pentecost was holy, different, and extraordinary. You might not know it, but the first Pentecost wasn't here in Acts. It's, it's earlier. Moses climbs up the mountain to meet with God. Something unimaginable happens, something supernatural, something beyond us, and Moses comes down the mountain bringing commandments from above. I wonder what a holy day means to you. Because Pentecost was a holy day, and the Jews celebrated it every year. And holy days, truth be known, are closely associated with eating, so there was a feast each year. Timed with the final grain harvest of the season. Pentecost is a holy day where people travel from far and wide, a pilgrimage, that's what it's called. They take a pilgrimage each year to the temple because, well, it's a holy day. It's one of the three holy days where pilgrimage is required in Judaism. And on holy days, it makes sense to be near places reserved for the holy. Pentecost is a holy day. And scripture says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. It's just that kind of day. Everybody's got to come together. Everybody has to celebrate. You'd be hard-pressed to find a Scrooge on that holy day. It's a, it's a day for feasts, for travel, travel, for celebration, for friends, family, and neighbors beyond. It's a day for awe and miracle. It's one of those seasonal days where the whole family gets together to take a picture, even those that hate being in pictures. It's that kind of day. Everybody's there. The siblings, the cousins, the grandparents, and the uncle you don't like. Everybody's there. And you've divided up the meal amongst the family. Your in-laws bring the vegetables, you bring the rolls and the appetizers, and everybody gathers together at grandma's and she roasts the meat. But really, what you're excited about, what everyone is excited about and talking about and looks forward to every year, that's the cake, grandma's cake. It's a holy day. It's that kind of day. It's a holy day and everybody has come together and sometimes the miraculous will happen on holy days. And sometimes the miraculous seems far away. Sometimes you open that gift and it wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what you asked for. Sometimes you have prepared the perfect outfit for the family photos and your cousin wears the same outfit. I'm trying to tell you that Pentecost was a holy day, sometimes miraculous, and sometimes it, it seems not so much. But we don't today treat it as such these days. We don't act like it's one of those holidays. But in Scripture, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. That's what it says. It was a holy day, a feast and a festival And the disciples, well, the disciples had gotten somewhat acquainted with the holy. They had seen doves descend, appearances of prophets long dead, Moses, Elijah, 
They had heard the Messiah's call in the storms of their lives and had seen the anointed one walking on still, calm, and deep water. They had seen a few fish feed thousands, watched as the crippled stood up on strong legs and the blind opened their eyes with sight. And these disciples of the Holy One had, had seen dead things rise to life. The disciples were well acquainted with the Holy. And you know, well, you know what happened on that holy day? The Holy descended. The Holy Spirit was welcomed there. The boundary of heaven and earth collapsed to the point where it's hard to tell the two apart, rushing sounds of wind, filling and filling and filling the entire place, a suffocating presence of the immortal, ripping at the eardrums of all present. And something like a heavenly fire fell upon them all, an uncontainable burning of all that was and will be and could be that was on their lips, and their tongues became many more united in purpose and phrase to the and the taste of heaven was present in that place when the boundaries of nationality and language collapsed. It was a holy day, an unimaginable and indescribable presence of God. There were some others there, not disciples of Jesus, but devout people still the same. And they thought to each other, do you think these folks have had too much to drink? And I wonder how that happens. How do devout people come face to face with holy things only to dismiss it? I wonder if it was maybe the holiday routine that got to them. It's got to me in the past, year after year, they travel up to the feast. They get the kids, make sure they're packed rush through trying to get all those dishes together and oh man what about the dog we got to find somebody to watch it get to the party and settle in finish preparing the meal get the drinks out gather around and give thanks and grandpa goes on and on and on about the meaning of it all and get a few plates a few more plates a few more plates and then it's time for the desserts and few stuff and now it's time for pictures before anybody starts trying to head home, rush on home, because that's how it is on those, on those days, you know. And when it's all said and done, you realize somehow you lost the meaning of it that holy day. The busy routine sucked all the holy out of it. It wasn't an ordinary day, but it, it sure wasn't a holy day. And maybe those present at Pentecost had gotten lost in the busyness of it all, the routine. Or maybe, you know, I wonder if it was the lack of wonder that got to them. People tell me that they have this condition about communion. It's an apathetic sickness of familiarity. People tell me, well, well, I just can't have communion every week because then it wouldn't be special. People say they get too familiar with it. It becomes mundane. They lose their sense of wonder. And maybe that's what happened to these folks at Pentecost. They came year after year, and every year it's the same. Nothing like Moses' mountaintop commandment trip experience. 
chance ever happens for them. Nothing like that. And they read it every year. Moses going up the mountain. Wow, amazing. Comes down. And so they quit looking for wondrous things because you get disappointed year after year hoping for something amazing and it doesn't come. And maybe they quit looking because they find no wondrous things. And when the day of Pentecost had come and everybody was together in one place, when the firmament between heaven and earth collapses and violent winds and, and flames and divided tongues descend, well, there's no mystery to it for them. They say, ah, you're drunk, aren't you? Maybe it was the busy routine. Maybe it was the apathy. God comes, and they miss it. The holy is present in ways human language can't describe, and they think, oh, these folks have had just a drink. They were devout, though. You can be sure of that. Scripture tells us that. They're devout. Surely these ones at Pentecost, they are... They've got to be some of the most committed to, to right belief and right practice because they're the ones that actually made the journey to Jerusalem like they're supposed to. They would be the ones to understand what was happening with the disciples. But I'm afraid being devout isn't the same thing as being awake to the presence of God. And it turns out these devout ones at Pentecost are asleep and unaware of the miraculous all around them. And I wonder if they are too caught up trying to do this right thing or that right thing, or if they're too distracted by the news that so many are turning away from God. And I, I wonder if they're so committed to their right way that they can't imagine God working in a way unknown to them. And they might think, no, 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 no. God only speaks through the priests. No, 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 no. Scripture's the only authority for God. No, 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 no. Worship has to be at this time, at this place. Well, I guess the Holy Spirit wasn't containable in their box, so they just say, ah, some drunkards. Pentecost is a holy day. But for these folks, it's just a holiday. Something to do with family, celebrate, get together, take a picture, eat a meal not to come face to face with the great eternal one. And some might be too busy, some might be too, too disappointed by the routine of it all, some might be asleep, daydreaming about the right way for God to show up. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, where are you this holy day? Where are you each holy day when it comes around The disciples are not asleep. Praise God. They aren't apathetic. They aren't too busy. Pentecost is a holy day, and they had come together to experience the holy. They were there for that reason. After hearing those others, those asleep ones, dismiss the miraculous, one of the disciples stands up, Peter. He may have been asleep in the past. He may have had shallow faith in the past. But now he was alive with the touch of the Holy Spirit, and he would not keep quiet. We aren't drunk, he says. No, we've been awoken by the Spirit, just like the prophet Joel announced that God would pour out his Spirit upon the young 
and the old, slaves and free, men and women, and the earth will be filled with holy things, blood and fire and mist and light and darkness, so that everyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pentecost is a holy day. And there is good news at Pentecost. The holy is made manifest. The barriers between heaven and earth and between peoples collapse. But the better news is that the disciples were awake to see it and to proclaim it. The disciples testified concerning the holiness of God. And the Holy Spirit invades their testimony to wake up others, Jews and Gentiles. It makes no difference. So at the end of Peter's testimony, these devout ones have devoted themselves anew to the apostles' teachings of Jesus. And what was a holy day becomes a holy season, and the barriers between heaven and people continue to fall down through the rest of the story from Acts. They share generously among each other. Peter heals a crippled more wake up to the presence of God in the world, and more give testimony of God's power. Persecution does not stop it. In the spread of those arising from slumber, it keeps going. Peter, John, Stephen, Philip, Paul, James, Barnabas, Timothy, Lydia, and beyond, even the Roman world into the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is waking people up. And even now, the Holy Spirit moves, waking up disciples to see, know, and proclaim a holy message. In our church, even, the Holy Spirit is present. And maybe, maybe we're like Paul and we have scales on our eyes and we can't see it. Or maybe we're asleep or maybe we've dismissed it. Oh, crazy. For whatever reason, maybe we're like those others at Pentecost. But the Holy Spirit is calling. The Holy Spirit is descending with a roaring, deafening presence, calling people like you into ministry and service and proclamation. It is a holy day, Pentecost. A day in which the barriers between us with each other and with God might collapse. And not all of us see it or know it. Some of us are asleep. But for those of us who are awake, I call you, testify to that presence of God that another beside you might rise up in their conviction of God's presence on their life. And you who have visions of hope and dreams of salvation for all, rise up like regenerated bones with sinews and muscles and flesh stitching back together in ways that can't possibly be known to us. And let the Holy Spirit of God breathe life into you this season, not now and once, but ongoing and forever and ever and ever. Amen. Let us come and sing again. Let us come and sing again. I invite the worship people that didn't, didn't, didn't let them know, didn't warn them ahead of time.
May the Holy Spirit call us and wake us and remind us that we might testify to God's presence.